The quickest, quickest way to get defeated in a war is to think that you're not in one when in fact you are. I think St. Mark would like that opening line of my homily this morning. He'd like it because war is one of the themes of the gospel he wrote 2,000 years ago, which is the gospel we will hear on most of the Sundays from now until the end of the liturgical year in November. And this war that St. Mark writes about is not an ordinary war. It's not an ordinary war over things that don't last. Most wars are about earthly power, land, material possessions, and the like. This war is not about that. The war that Mark writes about in his Gospel is a cosmic war. A cosmic war that affects the eternal destiny of every human person who has lived, is living, and will live until the end of time. The war, of course, is between Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and Satan. And although it had already been going on since Jesus' birth, and in a sense even before that, the war definitely intensified at the beginning of our Lord's earthly ministry. We see that in today's Gospel text from Mark chapter 1. Here we are, only 21 verses into the book, and Jesus already has a major confrontation with the devil and his minions. Notice the combative language that the demons use when they address our Lord. They say to him, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? That's what armies do in war, is it not? They kill their enemies, and they destroy things. Now the good news is, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, has won the war. Cosmically speaking, the war against Satan was won by our Lord through his passion, death, and resurrection. That's the victory we celebrate at this Mass. That's the victory we celebrate at every Mass. That's the good news of our salvation. But the war continues against us. Yes, Jesus has conquered the devil. He's made eternal life possible for you, for me, for every human person. However, we're not there yet. We have not arrived. For us, the fight, the fight of faith, the good fight of faith is not over. Here it's important to note that the devil is a very poor loser. His attitude is, well, I couldn't get Jesus, but I can get those creatures, those pathetic human creatures that he loves so much. And he will try to do that. You can be sure about that. Each and every day for the rest of our time here on this earth. In chapter 12 of the book of Revelation, we read these words. Then the dragon, that is to say Satan, became angry with the woman, of course is Mary, and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commandments and bear witness to Jesus. That's us. This is the war that's going on in your life and in my life, whether we're conscious of it or not. And many people, unfortunately today, I would say, are not conscious of it. Which is scary because, as I said at the beginning of my homily, the quickest way to get defeated in a war is to think you're not in one, when in fact you are. Of course, to win a war decisively, you need to know your enemy. You need to know the strategies he's using to try to defeat you. On that note, Catholic author John Horvat II dealt with that subject in an online article he wrote a couple of years ago. The article was about four of the strategies that Satan uses in the modern world to 
draw people away from Christ and to himself, and eventually, of course, into hell. I'm going to share these with you this morning very briefly because I think they can help us to understand our enemy, the devil, and how he is trying each and every day to defeat us, to destroy us. The first strategy the devil uses against people, according to John Horvat, is to try to convince them that he doesn't exist. Horvat writes this in his article. Satan has sought by all means to cause mankind to disbelieve in him. He encourages a culture which spreads the idea that he does not exist or is not a threat. Once his existence is called into question, it's only a small step to convince mankind that moral evil in any form does not exist. Hence, disbelief in Satan destroys the need to fight against evil and our vices. Second strategy of the devil builds on the first. Second strategy, according to Horvat, is to undermine people's faith in God. Horvat writes, to disbelieve in Satan is to be logically committed to a disbelief in God. By this strategy, the devil deprives us of our greatest and most powerful support in the fight against evil. He deprives us of the means for victory, since God will always triumph over the devil. Now, sadly, according to many of the polls that have been taken in recent years, this strategy of the evil one is currently meeting with great success, since more and more people are identifying themselves as nuns. That's N-O-N-E-S, not N-U-N-S. Nuns, N-O-N-E-S, are those who claim no religious affiliation whatsoever. When they sign a form and it has a religion there, they put none. This group is growing. Some of these people might not believe in a god at all. Others may believe in a god of some kind but it's more than likely a God they've created in their own image and likeness, which is always a very flawed God, and of course not the real one. Satan's third strategy to steal souls and bring them to hell is to disguise evil and make it look good. Unfortunately, this is another strategy that seems to be working these days, especially in our own country. Think, my brothers and sisters, of all the moral evils that people in our society approve of nowadays and promote as good. Abortion, physician-assisted suicide, so-called gay marriage, gender ideology and all that goes with it, living together before marriage. Our sitting president right now believes a lot of that stuff. After the summer of 2020, you can add rioting and looting and burning down cities to the list. All these things were once considered bad, evil, sinful by almost everybody. Not anymore. Whose work is that? It's not God's, that's for sure. He's not responsible for these changes in morality. This brings us to the final strategy that Satan uses in his war against us. He tries to get us to change the order of our priorities. Now that may not seem at first glance like a big deal, but it can be. For example, in non-pandemic times, why aren't Catholic churches filled to capacity each and every week? 
In non-pandemic times, why aren't there as many people at Mass on a normal Sunday as there are in church on Christmas and Easter? It's because of priorities. Unfortunately for Christmas and Easter Catholics, worshiping Jesus and receiving the body and blood of the Lord on a weekly basis is not on the top of their priority list. It's probably not on the list of their priorities at all. Once again, that's not the work of the Lord. The quickest way to get defeated in a war is to think you're not in one when in fact you are. Well, now we know. Now we know that we're in a war. We know who our enemy is. And we know some of the strategies and tactics he will use to try to destroy us. But most importantly, we know the one who can give us a share in the victory he's already achieved over the enemy. We know him. We know that victory can be ours if we remain close to him and constantly seek his help. St. John tells us in his first letter, Greater is he who is in us, naming, naming, namely Jesus, than he who is in the world, Satan. Let me end now this morning with a quote, a little quote from C.S. Lewis, the great author of the Chronicles of Narnia. C.S. Lewis wrote, Christianity is a fighting religion. Not in the sense of hatred or violence directed at other persons, but rather in the spiritual struggle against evil, the evil in ourselves and in the world around us, where our weapons are love, justice, courage, and self-giving. May Almighty God help us each and every day with his grace to use these weapons and win the war.